Not everyone is a late-stage, overvalued company laying people off right now. There are many founders out there who are gearing up to announce their company, and they want to make a splash, hire people, and bring in customers. Ryan Narod is an expert in strategizing for your company announcement. He leads Marketing at Mutiny, which recently announced their Series B from Tiger and Insight and me. We discuss topics such as what are the components of a top-notch announcement plan? How do you work effectively with the tech press? How should you prepare for the aftermath of the announcement? I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did and feel free to reach out to me with any thoughts. Let's dive in. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. You have done really incredible things for marketing at Mutiny, which is itself in the marketing space, I would say broadly. So I think folks who are listening are going to learn a lot from you about how to prepare for their launches. I'm excited to pick your brain. Excited to chat. Do you mind sharing just a little bit about your background, maybe a bit about what Mutiny does? Sure. So I lead marketing at Mutiny. We help marketers increase conversion rates on their website. And if you think about sort of the the market downturn that we may be entering um, when the era of growth of all costs is fundamentally coming to an end, this idea of you needing to get more out of your existing channels and spend is actually more important now than ever before. So we help marketers uh, personalize their website, show relevant content to folks that are coming to your site so that they convert at higher rates. And I've been here for about a year prior to that, have been a Mutiny customer. So one of Mutiny's earliest customers at a company called Radar, where I lead marketing. And then before that, when I was at Google, I actually built a product internal to Google that was similar to the problem that Mutiny solves. So I've been in and around this space for a while. You've been knee deep in marketing in one way or another, whether you're leading the function, building products for it. I'm sure you're drinking the champagne as you go. So to start, I'd love to talk about timing. So what factors do you think should impact the timing of a launch? It depends what kind of launch you're doing, whether it's a funding announcement or, or a product launch. I'll sort of assume you're talking about a funding announcement because that's sort of like most of the launches are are geared around that. And so when you think about a funding announcement, the thing that influences when you want to launch is not when you get the funding. It's sort of what do you want people to think about your launch? When do you have something interesting enough to say that essentially the main takeaway of your message will be this company raised money, but they've launched solution to this really interesting problem. So I always try to bundle funding announcements with some sort of product innovation and a substantive product innovation that that sort of connects to the category that you're trying to create or disrupt. Um, So that's the first thing. The second thing is market conditions. And so, you know, you want to be uh, sensitive to the times that we're in. And what that means is you can never predict the market conditions, but you want to you want to be flexible. And so if, you know, tragedy occurs in the world, you need to sort of like be respectful of that. And then macro conditions. I'm sure there are companies that were planning a launch around March of 2020. And, you know, important to be able to take a step back, reassess and think about is the problem you're solving appropriate for the times that we're in. Those are, I think, really interesting factors to consider. Notably, I, I don't think you listed when your competitors are launching. Should you try to be rushed to be first to market? How should the competition influence your decision? 
I think it's hard to know when your competitors are launching. And so you should, in general, have an eye towards, you know, towards the future and competitors tend to be in the rear view mirror, or at least, you know, it's helpful to think about it that way. And so, yes, you should be first to market, but you can never know when a competitor is planning something. And certainly that shouldn't be the guiding principle behind when and how you launch. Got it. So let's say I'm planning on my launch, I'm creating the launch plan. What are the components of a great plan? I think it starts with really clear goals. So those are numeric goals, but also the non-metric based goals. So what do you want people to think and feel um, when they see your message? And so that is what problem are you solving? What category you're creating or disrupting? And so I always start there and really like fill in the sentence is when people see this news, they will say X, Y, Z. If you're able to articulate that, I think it guides the type of launch that that have. The second thing is don't lose sight of the news. Like, what are you actually launching? I think this is where folks get really, really tripped up. And so, you know, they try to bundle the product with the category, but what is the news? What feature did you launch that people are now needing to pay attention to? And with that, like, what are the key points you want to get across? Um, so that's the second component. Third component being the CTA. Like, what do you want people to do? This is where I've seen companies have way too many CTAs for hiring, contact sales, play with their demo. Um, and so an example of something we did was we created a low friction way for you to interact with Mutiny and try the product without requesting a demo, without contacting sales. And so you can go on our website, you can punch in your website domain and play around with the product and see what personalization can do. And so we built that purely because we knew a lot of folks would hit our site. Not all of them would be ready to talk to sales. And we want to give them one really unified CTA to, to try our product and experience the magic. I can't put enough emphasis on, on the CTA. Channels as well. So thinking about, you know, what channels you want to activate. So PR is typically one that folks prioritize, but also social. Do you want people talking about the product on Slack communities, on product hunt? So figuring out like all the channels where you want to launch. Another one is, is your advocates. So you're not going to do this alone. You have customers who are your, your advocates, your investors, your employees. I think this is something a lot of people who are doing launches tend to forget, but you have to think about each of these audiences and preparing a plan for getting each of these audiences to amplify your message. I use the word plan because I think a plan is, is what pulls all of this together. It's a lot of work to pull off a complex launch. It takes many months, it has a ton of dependencies, and it's, it's really an all-team effort. And so you need to be a really good sort of project manager to facilitate all of these pieces coming together at exactly the right time, like clockwork. That's very comprehensive. Are there certain milestones that you think folks should keep in mind in terms of the timeline? For example... You know, I've noticed some companies being really thoughtful about first the TechCrunch article comes out and then we've got another blog post that's teed up. How should I think about the timeline? Well, the thing is, when you are trying to get press, you typically want to do an exclusive, um, which means you give the reporter sort of the first right to publish the story. And so typically they don't want any news coming out before the story is public. And so you sort of have to sequence everything based on that. And so typically you'll agree with the reporter on here's the date when the news is able to go live. 
it's called the embargo date. And then after that, you think about all of your follow-on sort of launch assets. So then your blog post can go live, then all your customers can go crazy on social, then all your investors. At that point, the secrets doesn't matter so much, but you do have to allow the reporter under that exclusive agreement to break the news first. You mentioned a little bit about this, but how do you tee up an article with the tech press? Do you have any tips on working with them? Yeah, I would say the most important learning I had is is being intentional with the reporters that you're targeting. I've seen a, a lot of PR firms get pretty bad advice around, okay, you need to build a list of 50 reporters and then you need to either like batch email them or email them one person per day, give them a 24 hour turnaround period to respond. And the reality is like most tech companies are not Tesla and you're not Elon Musk, right? So you need to give them enough time and be patient and be intentional. So what I like to do is pick three to four reporters that are sort of like the perfect fit for your company. These are the ones that you're willing to give an exclusive to. And you should be able to articulate why are they the right ones to cover your company and then find every single way to get in front of them. So don't just like cold email them the same template, but write really bespoke sort of intro blurbs and try to get in front of them through intros from your network or from investors. You know, cold emails can work. I've seen companies, you know, get creative, use their own products to get in front of reporters. So it's okay to get creative, but it's not okay to get annoying. It's so it's that delicate balance. So that's that's sort of getting in front of the press and teeing up the announcement. Once a reporter bites, then it sort of depends on the outlet. So some outlets are kind of cut and dry. I think if you have a funding announcement over a certain amount that you raised and from top tier investors, like TechCrunch should usually cover it. And they're pretty formulaic with how they approach funding announcements. They have a standard set of questions that they'll ask you. And, you know, if you sort of meet that bar, they'll, they'll write a story about it. If you're trying to go for more mainstream media, you need to connect it to a broader trend. And so for us, we found this perfect recorder at Forbes who covers CMOs. And the angle that, that works for us was that you know, CMOs are putting their own money into this company, their angel investing in mutiny, and this company is solving this problem that they've been facing. And so there was a lot to that story that we were able to kind of bring to bear for the reporter, you know, declining CMO tenures. We were able to get the reporter access to interview top CMOs who rarely give interviews. And so that really brought a lot of color to the story. And as a reporter who covers the CMO B, it sort of made, we, it sort of became an offer that he couldn't refuse. That's a really interesting example. It sounds like in your case, the reporter was really familiar with the space that you were operating in. Do you ever find that some reporters are less familiar and, you know, in those situations, how do you educate them about what your product does? I'm thinking especially for more technical products, this could times be a challenge. I think the first thing I would say is when a company is early stage, you know, it may not be best to ship for the moon and try to go for the New York Times. But, and there happen to be plenty of great reporters at outlets like TechCrunch who do cover all kinds of niche technical topics from cloud security to infrastructure and everything in between. And so what I would say is like really try to find a reporter who covers your space in the off chance that there is no reporter in the world that 
has written about a company similar to yours, which I would find hard to believe. But if that is the case, I would find like, what is the closest similar industry and who is that reporter? And I think it'd be interesting to them to draw parallels. Like, hey, you cover this space. We're kind of like that, but we're different in X, Y, and Z ways. Um, and, and sort of like connect what you're doing to a space that they're deeply familiar with and sort of educate them that way. So that would be, that'd be my advice. And again, I can't underscore the importance of finding a reporter that at least has some interest or coverage area in a topic where your business is or an adjacent topic. You'd mentioned earlier when we were talking about the components of a good launch plan that you should include your customer advocates in this, you should include your early advocates among investors. Can we talk about the more detailed tactics for exactly how to do that? The first thing I'll say is with advocates, be it customers, investors, they want to help, right? Like investors always tell us that they feel underutilized. And most companies like underutilize their network. Same thing with customers. Like customers want to feel they're using your product, especially early because they are on the cutting edge and they want to feel like they're on the cutting edge and brag about that. And so I would say like as a company thinking about leveraging your network, and by the way, we may be guilty of over leveraging our networks, but it's really baked into everything you do. It's baked into your goals. And so as an example, investor referrals are baked into our um, sort of like growth and demand gen targets. And there's someone on my team who owns that number. So it's very much a program that um, we kind of democratize access to our network through our team. So that's important. I think the other existential thing to keep in mind is that in exchange for helping out investors and advocates, they want to feel like they're in the loop, that they're not just being used, but that you're giving them the inside track, whether it's giving them that feedback loop, thank you, your your referral or your post really helped us in this way. So that's sort of the, the way to think about the give and get there. For launches specifically, you know, I would say, and this advice goes in general, make their lives easy. Be specific about what you want from them. So if they have a podcast, maybe you want to join an episode. Um, if they're active on Twitter, ask them to post on Twitter. Um, and, and make it easy for them. Like we write blurbs for every single person that we ask to post, whether it's an investor will write a blurb and say, Hey, like, feel free to put this in your own words, but we would love if you could hit on these key points for us. And for customers, we went ahead and we actually created images that they can post on social containing screenshots of the experiments that they ran and the lift that it drove, you know, really helped paint this like unified message where. When we had our launch, everyone was saying, we're seeing Unity all over Twitter, all over LinkedIn. And we have this like really amazing control of the message through these assets that we created for folks. But it wasn't all coming from us sort of being shared with all the networks of the folks that we have access to. So let's say you execute your launch plan. You're very successful. Now you've launched and you've started to receive a lot of inbound attention, whether it's from potential customers, potential hires, potential investors. How do you prepare for that potential onslaught? Everything sort of arrives at your website. Your website is, is your front door. And so, you know, we created a checklist to think about what will make our website most compelling and reduce friction. And so you mentioned hiring, every hiring manager should have their roles open is like a simple thing, you know, messaging, this is a little bit more complicated, but 
you now have this tampaned market around what your talking points were with press and what people are saying about you on social that you are orchestrated. The last thing you want to do is have your website messaging not be aligned to that. So align your messaging with the campaign. Next thing is case studies. Folks are going to come to your site because they think what you're doing is really cool. Well, they should see front and center how other customers just like them are leveraging your product and what kind of results they're seeing. I mentioned CTA. So I highly recommend having a low friction CTA for folks who aren't ready to book a meeting, but like still want to see what your product is all about. And so if you, if there is an opportunity to build sort of like a, a demo environment or somewhere where people could poke around with your product without submitting a demo request, that's always a great way to you know, deliver on the value and impress folks who are coming to your site after launch. And then the last thing is, again, this is in the spirit of reducing friction. Some people will want to meet with you because you solve a problem that they have. You want to make sure that they can book a meeting right away without having to fill out a form, wait days for you to process through hundreds of leads. And so, you know, whether you're using something like Calendly or Chili Piper, both are really great tools for making sure you're giving your prospects like calendar availability that they can book in real time. When do you think it's appropriate to get external help with your launch, whether it's from a PR firm, agency, a consultant? I think there probably comes a point where that makes sense. I would say we recently announced our Series B and I still don't feel like we're at that point. And we went down this path of exploring external help from agencies and PR contractors. I think what we found is that agencies and external folks, they'll never know your business. And they're also in the business of under-prompting, over-delivering. So we were a little bit underwhelmed when we sort of set our sites to, hey, we want to get an article at Forbes. That's impossible. There is a lot of bad advice out there. It's really hard to select the right partners for something that's mission critical. This isn't that hard to do yourself. And a lot of the hard work is actually has a lot of internal dependencies. It's like digging up interesting data. It's really like deep message development. That's something that it's hard to outsource. I would say outsource things that are easy to outsource that you don't have an in-house competency on. So things like design, right? Like we outsource the creation of those graphics to a designer. There are certain aspects that don't have internal dependencies. And I recommend outsourcing those. Let's say I'm a founder who has really deep technical expertise and experience, but marketing is not really my strong suit. And, you know, maybe I'm a late seed company or like I just raised my series A and maybe I have a junior marketer on board who's helping me maybe primarily with product marketing, but maybe with content marketing. Do you think it's typical in situations like that for this founder to delegate to that junior marketer to run the launch plan? Or or is this something that the founder should take on themselves? Or should they be hiring a more senior marketing leader? It's a great question. I think there are a lot of really great templates out there on, you know, how do you run a launch? Play Bigger has a, has a good template and framework for how to create what they call a lightning strike moment. The piece around project management, wrangling all the, all the stakeholders, I think that can be delegated. I think this isn't something that the founder can delegate entirely, not be involved. Like so much in early stage, so much of the message development comes from the founders of words. And I think the founders going to need to be really highly involved, but I think some of the pieces around, okay, let's go email all of our customers or let's go email all of our investors. I think the tactical pieces can't be done by more of the junior person. 
but I highly recommend that the founders stay involved specifically in message development, figuring out the right reporters strategically, you know, what are the goals? And ultimately the founder is the spokesperson for the company. And so they can't just take the approach of, you know, tell me where to show up and I'll be there. What do you say are the most common mistakes that founders make when they're launching? I'll give you one. I think the one that I see most often is thinking that press that's going to be the silver bullet. When we got press, I'm pretty sure we drove more traffic to Forbes than it drove to us. And so my biggest advice there would be use all the channels you can to get in front of your ICP. And ultimately, the press becomes a super valuable sort of proof point. Like we were featured in Forbes and TechCrunch, but I think a lot of founders like get an article at TechCrunch and then expect, sit back and expect that their inbox is going to be flooded. You know, there's TechCrunch probably puts out dozens of articles a day. And so it's not the reality anymore. Really good advice. Any final tips for founders or marketers out there who are trying to gear up for a launch? My biggest learning here is just be really intentional. This is not a volume game of go and email some half-baked message to hundreds of people, reporters, press, analysts. This is a game of intentionality, like being intentional with your messaging, thoughtful about your CTAs, being thoughtful about what products you are bundling together with this launch, and ultimately like being thoughtful about who needs to hear about it. And so it's less about doing a broad scale and more about honing on who are the people that will care about this most. Because once you nail a really good story, it's up to you to distribute that and get that in front of as people as possible. Ryan, this was an awesome conversation. I took away so many learnings. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. 